Welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. This week on the Old Time Radio Hour, we'll be listening to a half-hour mystery drama, followed by 30 minutes of comedy. So, just sit back and relax. As we revisit the truly golden age of radio. Stay where you are. Do not break the stillness of this moment. For this is a time of mystery. A time when imagination is free and moves forward swiftly, silently. This is the haunting hour. Express. That night didn't begin any differently from any other night. At least it doesn't seem to me that it did. I left work the same as usual, and I hurried because I was late and we were having supper early again so my brother Sid could get to law school on time. I walked down to Broadway and 42nd Street and into the uptown subway, just the way I always did. I got on, pushed my way in with a crowd. There was an empty seat, and I took it. A girl in front of me was hanging onto the strap. In the other hand, she held the evening paper. I remember looking at it and reading the weather forecast. Fair and somewhat milder, it said. And I thought, tomorrow I can wear my light coat. I was tired. I was awfully tired. I leaned my head back for a minute and closed my eyes. And then... Tired, baby? I sat bolt upright. I'll make you some coffee when we get home. That'll fix you up. What was he talking about? When we get home... I looked at him. There was something I was trying desperately to remember. But I couldn't. He was in his early 30s. Dark and very good-looking. But his eyes were hard and his lips were drawn back into a tight little smile. The hand clinging to my arm was large and powerful. The girl in front of me was still holding onto the strap with that paper clutched tightly in one hand. He leaned forward a little so he could see it better. Cloudy with probable thunder showers. Now, wouldn't you think we've had enough rain for one week? Rain? But the paper had said fair. Fair and somewhat milder. I looked at it again myself. And... And he was right. Then I knew I... I was really frightened. The date... The date on that paper was February 21st, 1950. <laughs> Thank you. 
Everything seemed to blur before my eyes for a minute, and I, I felt a little sick. I looked down and saw a wedding band on my left hand. A simple gold wedding band that hadn't been there five minutes before. It was almost as if I half expected to see it there. If the date on that paper was right, if this really were 1950, then something told me that this man, this stranger sitting beside me, was my husband. And somewhere, somehow, on that Uptown Express, I'd lost five years of my life. Come on, Lindy. We get off here. We walked up the stairs and out into the street. It was raining. It hadn't been raining before. We'll have to make a run for it. It's raining pretty hard. We started to run down a long, dark street I'd never seen before. Then we turned into a narrow entrance into a dingy apartment building. We shut the rain outside, and we were alone. Never mind your key. I have mine right here. Oh, wait a minute. I think there's some mail. I looked at the name on the box. Vincent. Mr. and Mrs. John Vincent. Johnny. Johnny and Linda Vincent. That was us. Oh, this is rich. Look what it is. A political circular. Sidney Damon for district attorney. Fearless, courageous. <laughs> That's a laugh, sending it to us. Sid? For district attorney? My brother, Sidney? Yes, and it don't sound much better than it smells. Not for my money. But... Come on. It's cold down here. Let's get upstairs. We climbed the stairs to the second floor to a small apartment way in the back. I kept thinking of Sid. Less than an hour ago, he was going to City College nights to study law. And now in my hand was a circular that said he was running for district attorney. But, but it wasn't an hour ago. That was in 1945. Five years ago. This was 1950. There. Turn on the light. It's near you. I felt along the wall and found the switch. That's better. It's cold in this dump. Never any heat when we need it. Did you speak to that lousy janitor yet? You said you were going to. Uh, I will, Johnny. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. I didn't mean to snap at you. It's just that business of your smart aleck brother running for DA. I don't like it. Why, Johnny? Why don't you like it? Oh, cut it. Don't ask silly questions. Come here and kiss me instead. Oh, Johnny, I, I... What's the matter? Nothing. Well, come here, then. You know what? Your hair's all wet and your mascara's run a little around the edges. You look awful, honey. But to me, you're still beautiful. Please, please, Johnny, don't kiss me anymore. What's the idea? I'm... I'm cold. I'm wet. I'll be all right. Sure. I understand. Go in and change and I'll fix you something hot. I went into the bedroom... On the bureau was a picture of the two of us. Me, Linda Damon, and this man I'd never seen before. I picked it up. Across the front of it was written, Atlantic City, September 1946. I looked at it for a few minutes, then I put it back on the bureau and walked over to the closet. On one side were his clothes, and on the other, what I supposed were my things. I found a light blue house dress and changed into it quickly. It fit perfectly. Ready, Lindy? Come and get it. In a minute. Here. Oh, thanks. Aren't you going to put on some dry clothes? No, I'm okay. I'll hold out your cup. And one for me. Well, what do we drink to? Even if it's only coffee, we have to drink to something. Well, 
But we always drink to, Johnny. All right, darling. You want to make the toast or shall I? You make it. Here goes, then. To our house. The one with the front porch, the backyard, and the attic. Okay? Okay. Do you think we'll ever have it? Have what, Johnny? That house. All my life I remember living in little box flats with walls so paper thin you could hear the guy next door yelling at his old lady or her nagging at him. Just as if there weren't enough of that stuff in your own place. And the hallways always full with dirty little kids with their faces needing washing and their eyes too old for the rest of them. And the garbage in big ugly cans in front of the buildings when it was so hot you could hardly breathe. Johnny. I guess maybe you don't understand. Is that why you want the house, Johnny? Sure. Imagine, Lindy, a house. Not a flat, not a couple of caged-in little rooms, but a big house with a front porch and a backyard and an attic. All mine. All ours, Lindy. Oh, Lindy, do you love me? Oh, yes, Johnny. I do love you very much. Hey, what got me started? I did, I'm sorry. Oh, don't be. Don't ever be sorry for anything. Oh, it couldn't be bad if it comes from you because you're good, Lindy. I'm not and I know it. Look what I'm doing to you, making you live in a hole like this, not a decent dress to your name. I don't care, Johnny. Oh, but you'll see. It's going to be different. Maybe sooner than you expect. How would you like to move? Out into the country, to our house. Well, I wasn't going to tell you until everything was set, but here. Here, start on this. Go out tomorrow and buy yourself some clothes. You know, real high-class stuff. Johnny, all that money. And plenty more where that came from. But I don't... I'll get it. Stay where you are. Yeah? What is it, Charlie? Who? Oh, he was. What did he want? Yeah? Well, just lay low until I get in touch with you. I'll think of something. So long. Who was that? Just a friend of mine. Business acquaintance. You wouldn't know him. Oh. I'm telling you, it was nothing. Nothing important. I didn't say anything. Well, don't. And stop looking as though I just finished beating you. Don't shout, Johnny. Well, I didn't mean it, baby. My nerves are on edge, that's all. I wonder if it stopped raining. Did it? Let up a little, maybe. Not much. Why are you standing at the window? Are you expecting someone? What do you mean by that? Who should I be expecting? You've been talking to your brother, haven't you? You've been seeing him again. Johnny, you're hurting me. I told you to keep away from that family of yours, didn't I? If I'm not good enough for him, that's just too bad. Johnny, my arm. Tell me the truth. Have you seen Sid? What's he been telling you? It's a lie, but you believe me, don't you? I don't know what you're talking about. Please, please, Johnny, you're hurting me. Darling, forgive me. Oh, Lindy, you got to promise me you'll stay with me, no matter what. What is it, Johnny? What have you done? Oh, I'm in an awful mess. I'm in deeper than I've ever been in my life. This time, I'm afraid. Will you tell me? Maybe I can help you. I'm, I'm your wife. Oh, I don't deserve you. I don't deserve ever to have met you. Johnny. What? Tell me. Tell me again how we met. I like to hear it. You're just like a little kid, aren't you? Just a funny little kid. Tell me. Okay. It was February 21st, 1945. Five years ago. Yes. And there you were. And I saw you. Where, Johnny? On the subway. On the Uptown Express. What? What's the matter? Uh, oh, nothing. I... I have a little headache, that's all. Go on. You're sure you're all right? Yes, yes, I'm all right. Go ahead. Well, I saw you and I said to myself, 
That brother is for me. Mm-hmm. Then I made up my mind I was going to meet you. And then what did you do? I said, pardon me, miss. Am I on the right train for 86th Street? And what did I say? And you said, no, you'll have to change it to the local at 72nd. And then we started to talk. <laughs> Just as easy as that? <laughs> Just as easy as that. I think you wanted to meet me, too. Who's that? Oh, I don't know. I'll open it. Linda. What? Stay where you are. Don't ask for that. Who is it? Johnny, what are you doing with that gun? Who is it? Me, Sidney. Wait a minute. Your big shot brother. See it? Yeah. I guess I won't need this gun. Here, put it on the table. See it. Listen to me carefully. I was with you last Monday night. That's all you know. That's your story, and you'd better stick to it. Remember. Life is filled with mystery. And it was a strange afternoon when Linda Damon boarded the Uptown Express. For without warning, time jumped ahead. And the newspaper datelines read February 21st, 1950. Then she heard the man sitting next to her say, Come on, Lindy, we get off here. He was her husband. And his name was Johnny. Mystified, afraid to question, Linda followed him home. Johnny spoke of how they had met five years before on the Uptown Express. And Linda listened. Then came a knock on the door. Johnny reached for his gun. The newcomer was Sid, Linda's brother, a candidate for the office of district attorney. Johnny turned to Linda and said, Listen, Linda, carefully. I was with you last Monday night, and that's all you know. That's your story, and you'd better stick to it. Remember... Yeah? Yeah, just a minute. Hello, Linda. Sid. What do you want, Damon? It's so good to see you, Sid. How's Mom? You've got kind of a nerve asking that, haven't you? Oh, please, Sid, I don't understand. Forget it, baby. Let him speak his piece and get out. What's on your mind, Mr. District Attorney? You're a little premature, but thanks anyway. Come on into the living room, Sid. Here, let me take your coat. It's wet. Linda! He'll go into that living room over my dead body. Which is just the way I'd like it, Vincent. Why, you would... Johnny! Sid! What's the matter? What is it? Linda, haven't you had enough yet? Why don't you come home where you belong? Mom's worse. Every day since you left, she gets worse. Doesn't it mean anything to you that you're killing her? Mom? What are you trying to do? Wring blood out of her? Leave her alone. Don't you care, Linda? What's he done to you? Leave her alone. That's what you came here to say. You said it. Now get out. That's not quite all, Vincent. No, well, spill it then. Last Monday night, a man by the name of Bucky Stevens was murdered. So what? Johnny! Johnny, what's he trying to say? Be quiet, Lindy. Go on, big shot. What's it to me? That's just what I wondered, Vincent. Bucky'd been gambling, but I suppose you know the story. Sorry, I don't know nothing. No? Too bad you missed it. It's been on all the front pages, too. Maybe you just forgot, Vincent. I'll refresh your memory. Bucky'd been gambling heavily, and he won. He was pretty tight and made a lot of noise about it. Things like that get around fast. I don't like your story. Maybe it's just the way you tell it. Oh? I'm sorry. But don't worry. It gets better as it goes along. When Bucky left the club alone with that nice fat wallet, three men got into another car and followed him. Yeah? See, I told you it got better. It gets better still. They forced his car off the road, took his money, murdered him, 
and then threw his body in the river. Johnny! Then what? Then nothing. That's all there was to it. The three men escaped in their car, and the next morning, Earl Marino and his two henchmen were picked up and booked for the murder. The police thought they had a case. As a matter of fact, they still do. Thanks for the bedtime story. Are you through? In a minute. You see, Vincent, the police, the DA, everyone was convinced it was Marino and his gang. Everyone except me, that is. So? So I said to myself, I wonder... I wonder where Johnny Vincent was Monday night. Johnny and those two playmates of his, Charlie Rossi and Joe Kagan. Just idle curiosity, you understand. Get to the point. You take too much time. Okay, I will. I did a little private investigating. And I've got proof that it was you. You and your pals. I've got enough proof to send the three of you to the electric chair. There, don't say that. Why, he couldn't have. Johnny couldn't have. Why won't you believe me, Linda? I tell you, I can prove it. And I intend to. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to the DA with my evidence. And I'm giving you fair warning, it's packed solid. They'll spring Marino and pick you up, Vincent. And the charge will be murder. You think you're pretty smart, don't you? No. Just smarter than you, that's all. Well, don't think you can get away with this. I know I can. And if you do, it won't hurt the election any, will it, Damon? Brilliant young prosecuting attorney solves case single-handed. That'll look cute on campaign buttons. Not bad. But to tell you the truth, I wasn't thinking of that so much. I've been out to get you for a long time for what you've done to Lindy. And this is once you're not going to be able to talk your way out of it. And just what do you think you've gained by coming here? I want Linda to be home where she belongs tomorrow. When the police come to get you. Thanks for the warning. Oh, you can skip if you're dumb enough. See how far you'll get. By tomorrow night, every paper in the country will have your picture plastered all over the front page. Johnny's not going anywhere, Sid. And neither am I. He'll stay here and stand trial if he has to, and I'll stand by him. Johnny was with me li- last Monday night. Linda, you don't know what you're saying. Don't I? Well, I'm sorry, but I don't believe you, Sid. Johnny couldn't have murdered anybody. Nothing I can say will make you change your mind. No, nothing. Please go, will you? Sure. Sorry I bothered you. When you need us, we'll still be waiting for you to come home. So long, Vincent. See you in court. Oh, Johnny, my own brother. How could he? Thanks for trying anyway, baby. But this time, he means business. You don't have to be afraid, Johnny, if you're innocent. What do you mean, if... Oh, I didn't mean it that way, Johnny. Believe me. Oh, you're trying to kid. He's got the goods on me, and I know it. Johnny. You mean he was right? He was telling the truth? Johnny, did you... Don't be a little fool. Of course I killed him. No! No. Oh, cut out the dramatics. I've got to think. There must be something. You? You murdered him and threw his body in the river? And where do you think that money came from? Use your head. But murder? Johnny! I couldn't help it. He put up a fight and we had to let him have it. I didn't want to kill him. There was nothing else I could do. You know I wouldn't have killed him if I didn't have to. Don't you, Lindy? I don't know anything anymore. What are you going to do now? Do? What can I do? He made this investigation on his own. That's what he said, didn't he? Well, yes, but I... But he probably hasn't told anyone yet. No one knows but him. At last, or at least that's the chance I've got to take. I can't be any worse off than I am now. What are you talking about? He'll never live to turn in that evidence. I'll see to that. Johnny! I'll get Charlie and Joe and we'll make sure he doesn't... No! No, you can't do that to Sid. I won't let you. Me or him, Lindy. I don't have to think twice to decide which one I'd rather have it be. No! Put down that phone. Please, Johnny. Hello. Mike? Let me speak to Charlie, will you? Is he there? Good. I said to hang up, Johnny. And I meant it. Lindy. 
Put that gun back on the table. I said to hang up. You won't shoot. Put it down like a good girl. Hello. That you, Charlie? Something's come up. I want you to get Joe and help me on the job. Yeah, right away. I'm warning you, Johnny. Meet me as soon as you can over... Meet... Me at... Oh. Johnny! Oh, Johnny! Johnny! I really didn't think you'd shoot me, Lindy. I had to. I couldn't help it. You know, you've got a lot of spunk for a little thing. Oh, Johnny, I'm sorry. I thought I told you not to be sorry for anything. Ever. I told you anything you did would be all right, and I... I meant it. No. It wouldn't have ended good, no matter what. I'd just as soon have it this way. Honest, baby. But it wasn't all bad, was it? Some of it was fun. Tell me it was. Yes, Johnny. Some of it was wonderful. In no what? What? I guess maybe I never was meant to have a house with a front porch. Backyard and Johnny. I don't know how long I sat there on the floor beside him, holding him in my arms and rocking back and forth as if he were a child. There was blood trickling out of the corners of his mouth, and I wiped it off with my handkerchief. I knew he was dead, but I wiped it off just the same. And I sat there, holding him. Maybe part of those years had been wonderful. Now I'd never know. After a while, I got up, took my purse, and left the apartment. The rain had stopped. I started to walk, found myself running instead, running down that narrow little street. I didn't know where I was going. I just ran. The subway station was at the corner, and I went into that. I thought maybe I'd try and find my way home again, back to Mom and Sid. Then I'd be all right. I tried not to think of Johnny. Johnny lying dead where I'd left him in a little pool of blood. I dropped a nickel in the slot, and a minute later, the train came roaring out of the tunnel. I'm sure I didn't know what I was doing. I just got on and sat down. The car was almost empty. I was tired. Tired all over. I leaned back and closed my eyes. When I opened them again, the train was crowded. Crowded with people. And I hadn't remember stopping to let them on. Suddenly, I wasn't quite so tired anymore. I sat up straight and looked around. A girl in front of me was hanging onto the strap. And in the other hand, she held the evening paper. I remember looking at it and reading the weather forecast. Fair and somewhat milder. I held my breath. Was it possible? It took every bit of courage I had to force myself to look at the date. And the date was February 21st. 1945. I can't explain how I felt then. I wanted to laugh, but, but to cry. I wanted to turn to the stranger sitting beside me and say, Listen, mister, it was a dream.
dream. I just imagined it. I didn't kill anybody. This is still 1945, and I'm going home for supper. I did turn, and... And then I froze. I froze with such terror as I've never known before and will never know again. For the man sitting next to me was... Pardon me, miss. Am I on the right train for 86th Street? Well, no, you'll have to, uh... That is... I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm afraid you'll have to ask someone else. You see, this is my stop, and I'm getting off. Shadows and stillness, mystery weaves a spell of strangest fascination, charging the mind with doubts and fears. For mystery is a strange companion, a living memory in the haunting hour.
milk like lemon drops Away above the chimney tops That's where you'll find me Somewhere over the rainbow Birds fly Birds fly This is the old time radio hour on Sid Valley Radio. This is the Danny Kay Show with Harry James and his music makers. Neighbors for your entertainment presents E. Barden, Lionel Sander, Bob Jellison, Shirley Mitchell, the outstanding music of America's top band, Harry James and his music makers, yours truly, Ken Niles, and those 33 fine talents blended into one great comedian, Danny Kay. Well, last week saw the official opening of the Danny Kay Little Theater, and things have been rolling right along. As we enter the theater tonight, the house lights dim, the curtain goes up, and Danny Kay steps into the spotlight. Gather around me, everybody. Then settle back and just sit tight while I start reviewing the attitude of doing right. You got the accent, you wait the positive elim. Mine ain't the negative, latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with missing in between. You got a spread job to the maximum, bring gloom down to the minimum. Have faith, a pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene. To illustrate my last remark, Jonah in the well, Noah in the ark. What did they do just when everything looked so dark? Man, they said you better accent. You ate the positive, left my name's a negative. Latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In Between. Oh, the good Lord knows that the world would be a mess if it weren't for the syllable Y-E-S. That's the onlyest way that the folks got hep, cause you can't go forward with a backward step. Hallelujah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now hear me, sister, while I take you through the ages and we look at what was cooking on history's pages. You'll find the affirmative right on the button would bring about a something where there used to be a nothing. Hallelujah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did Eve say to Adam? Yeah, yeah. Brother Crawford to his madam. Yeah, yeah. And Gallagher to Sheen. Yeah, yeah. And Boston to the bin. Yeah, yeah. Jack Benny to Hello Buck. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Sister, Mr. Roper. Yeah, yeah. Anthony to Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Sox to Sinatra. 
Accentuate, accelerate, accumulate, accommodate, articulate, simulate, celebrate, positive, eliminate, discriminate, eradicate, repudiate, obliterate, cascade, fumigate, the negative. <sighs> Latch on! Catch on! Snatch on the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between. No, no. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between. Gee, that gets the show off for a swell start, Danny. Oh, uh, thank you, Lionel. Did you like it, Evie? Yes, Danny, I love... Uh... <laughs> Evie, what's the matter? What do you mean, what's the matter? You sneezed. Everybody sneezes, so what? So what? You don't just sneeze sneezes, you know. No. You sneeze germs. <laughs> oh, forget it, Danny. For- forget it? Forget the beginning of triple pneumonia? <laughs> triple pneumonia? I did was sneeze one teeny weeny little sneeze. One teeny little weeny sneeze. Do you know what that could mean? Break it to me gently, Dr. Kildare. <laughs> Evie, please, this could lead to a severe bronchial congestion involving the pulmonary tracts with respiratory complications. Really? Yes. Now, if you'd sneeze like this, <laughs> it's, it's nothing, nothing at all, nothing at all. But if you sneeze like this, <laughs> Well, it clearly indicates the symptoms of a general rhinitic condition. And if you sneeze like this... Do you know what that is? Jet propulsion. <laughs> Danny, will you stop all this nonsense? Shh, I Evie, think... Evie, don't, don't excite yourself, Evie, please. Just take it easy. Lots of rest, liquid diet couple of weeks in an oxygen tent. An oxygen Yeah, say, I'd better take a look at your throat while you're still breathing. Oh, Lionel, hand me my sterile gauze mask. Gauze mask coming up, Doc. All right, Doc, ready. Will you take that thing off? You look like Joyce Jordan, girl intern. Now, <laughs> quiet, Edie. Open your mouth and say, ah. Oh, all right. Ah. Uh. Wider. Ah. Uh. Wider. You want to look in or get in? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, just as I thought. What do you see, Doc? Nothing. And that's when you've got to be most careful when it's not visible to the naked eye. Oh, look, Danny, I just... <laughs> see? There, there you go again, Evie. Got all your mascara off, too. <laughs> Don't you realize what your one little sneeze can mean? The theater is full of people and you're full of germs. Soon they're full of germs. Then their families, then their friends, and it spreads and spreads and spreads. Germs, germs, germs. It's an epidemic. <laughs> Washington declares a national emergency. The FBI steps in. Where did this plague start? In this theater. Whose theater is it? Danny Kay's. I'm a social outcast, a pariah, disease carrier. I'm not allowed near anybody. Nobody's allowed to visit me. I never can get out. I can't stand it. I can't spend the rest of my life alone. I want to go see the World Series. <laughs> All right, Pollyanna, if you insist, go and get me a couple of aspirin. All right, Evie, I'll go and get you some. Now, now, listen, dear, keep, keep bundled up and stay out of dress. And yes. above all, remain quiet. We'll put you through, kid. Oh, great. Lionel, tell the stage manager I'll be back in time for the play. Hello, say, uh, I'd like to get a couple of aspirin. Aspirin? That's at the drug counter, the next aisle over. Thank you, thank you. Oh, hello. 
Hello. Is there anything I can do for you? <laughs> yes, but uh, I'm looking for the drug clerk. I, I mean... Uh... <laughs> I know what you mean. Well, I'm the drug clerk. Don't I look efficient? Oh, you look beautiful. I, I mean, are you really the drug clerk? The clerk drug? Ruck, dirt? <laughs> yes, I am. Now, what is it you want? Well, I want to... Yes. I, I mean, have you got a... Yes. Uh, that is, could you give me a... Yes. Look, have you got any aspirin? <laughs> aspirin? Oh, you poor boy. You have a headache, haven't you? Well, no, 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 no. I, I haven't got a... I, I mean, I, I didn't have... I, yes. Is, I, no, I got a terrible headache. <laughs> I thought so. Maybe if I massaged your temple... Oh, no! I'd better take your pulse. Oh, my, my, my pu- 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 pulse? Oh, my... <laughs> You don't have to take it, lady. If you, you, you just stand there, it'll j- j- jump at you. <laughs> oh, now, now, stop, stop shaking. Don't be so nervous. No, 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 nervous. I'm not. Look, look, Miss. I got to get back to the show, and I and I've got. My, what a lovely hand you have. I, I have two hands. <laughs> The other one's just like this one. Would you like to see it? And such an interesting palm. My, what a lovely lifeline you have. I have. <laughs> Where? There. I'll trace it for you. How do I will? What's the matter? Tickle. <laughs> well, there's one thing definite about your palm. It shows that you are strong, determined, forceful. I am? <laughs> yes, it definitely shows that anything you really want, you get. I do? <laughs> Yes. Now, what do you want? Do... Do... Do aspirin! Oh, did Danny come back from the drugstore with the aspirin? Yeah, but I can't figure it out. He ate the whole bottle of aspirin himself. He did? Yeah, his stomach looks like a pinball machine. A pinball machine? Yeah, now every time he sees a headache walk down the street, his nose lights up. <laughs> well, uh, where is he now? In his dressing room, squeezing himself into his tights. You know, we're doing Romeo and Juliet tonight. Oh, yes. Well, Harry, it's your turn to step on the stage and entertain our patrons. Good luck, pal, and I know you'll have it. For who can resist the premiere performance of a new song, Yatata, with lovely Kitty Callan doing the vocal? Spotlight for Harry James, please.
Everybody, go out and make your curtain speech, Ken. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight the Danny Kay Playhouse proudly presents Romeo and Juliet, a modern, streamlined version performed in the manner of some of your most popular radio programs. This is station K-A-Y-E, the voice of Pabst, presenting episode 33 in the thrilling true-to-life story of Juliet Capulet, Girl Meatball. Brought to you by the makers of Mother Mitz Toffel's chocolate-covered dog biscuits. Friends, do your dog biscuits taste different lately? If so, try a Mitz Toffel. Other dog biscuits contain iron. But Mother Mitztoffel's dog biscuits contain stainless steel. <laughs> These dog biscuits are endorsed by the Good Housebroken Institute. <laughs> because they are untouched by human hands. Each and every biscuit is packed by a monkey. <laughs> so get Mitztoffel's. Today! Tomorrow may be too late. We may be out of monkeys. <laughs> now for our story. Listen. Friends, 
Come with us to the little flat in Flatbush, halfway up the next alley. <laughs> you will remember that yesterday we left Romeo K. Montague in the garden. And now he stands looking up at the balcony. I am James, the butler. <laughs> Harry, will you please scroll back into your trumpet? <laughs> Juliet comes out on the balcony. She speaks. Hey, Romeo, hey. Are you down there, Romeo, hey? Yeah, hey. <laughs> I'm down here, hey, right next to the ash cans, hey. Gee, Romeo, hey, you sure look sharp tonight in your new gray suit. Gray suit? Yeah, cockeyed. You're looking at the ash can. <laughs> hey, Julie, how's about us eloping there, there, hey, hey? Ah, uh, can't do it, hey. Why, poor, can you not do this, hey? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> On account of my old man says you Montagues ain't classy enough for us Capulets. Yeah, <laughs> We Montagues is as good as you Capulets any day in a year. Ah, you mother chews tobacco. <laughs> ah, your father wears underwear. <laughs> ah, your sister's tonsils. Ah, your brother's push cart. <laughs> ah, your whole family's studying to be dopes. Ah, Juliet, we were made from each other. <laughs> No, no, no. Destiny brung us apart. Let's get hitched, Julie, and settle down in Brooklyn and grow little ones. <laughs> grow little ones? Children? Nah, trees, you Jake. That ain't no use, Romeo. Our family stand between us, and it is wrote that a Capulet cannot marry a Montague. I'm torn between a regular fire. I mean it. Well, then... <laughs> There's only one thing left to do, Julie. We gotta bump ourselves off. How? Here, take this. It'll what? kill you instantaneously. <laughs> What's it? It's a Mother Mitz Toffle chocolate-covered dog biscuit. All right, you go first, Romeo. Nah, you go first. Nah, you go first. Nah, you first. Nah, you first. Nah, you first. Um, Who will go first? <laughs> I mean, first, Romeo or Juliet? Or will it be a daily double? Tune in tomorrow to another thrilling episode of Juliet Capulet, Girl Bloomer Girl. And now... The makers of Dr. Peck Sniff's emulsified tincture of fish oil. The only sure cure for Mother Mitztoffel's chocolate-covered dog biscuit. <laughs> Present another thrilling chapter in that... <laughs> in that saga of Western life, The Lone Romeo. Riding along the trail on a fiery horse with the speed of light comes our hero, Romeo K. Hold on, critter. Hold on. I reckon... <laughs> I reckon this here's the fork in the road where I was supposed to meet my faithful engine friend. Ah, uh, here 
here he comes now. I am James. <laughs> I am James the Tonto. I am Indian. Ugh. Tonto, I hear there's a right smart filly up the B. Bar Capulet Ranch by the name of Juliet. What did you hear, Tonto? Ugh. Tano, you talk too much <laughs> Well, I guess I reckon I figure I'll mosey down And try a court in Juliet Where's my horse? You're sitting on it <laughs> Oh, so that's what's been Keeping my legs apart <laughs> Well, I'm off here Hi-ho, Juliet Away, away Oh, thou critter. <laughs> well, I guess I reckon I'll figure I'll stand under Juliet's balcony and kind of serenade her, I guess. I reckon I figure, I guess. I figure. Oh, oh. <laughs> I've got the oh, wagon wheels inside of me. I've got those old cactus in the height of me. <laughs> I've got that. <laughs> Juliet, my little prayer flower, it's me, your lone Romeo. Ain't you going to invite me up on your balcony? I can't. Pappy took the ladder away. How are you going to get up here? Oh, that's easy, Julie. I'll throw my lasso over the rail of the balcony and make a yo-yo out of myself. <laughs> here I come, gal. What took you so long? Hit an air pocket. <laughs> Julie, gal, I've been aiming to talk something over with you. You know, it comes a time when, uh, you know, kind of man needs a woman and woman needs a man. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> I hold Juliet away. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Drago cork tip cigarettes bring you those amazing child prodigies, the Whiz Kids. But first, friends, here's a simple solution to the cigarette shortage. Just send 10 cents in coin or stamps to the Drago Cigarette Company, and we will send you a carton of Drago cork tips. No cigarettes, just cork tips. <laughs> and now for the whiz kids. Morning, children. Quiet, children. Quiet! Now, the first question you boys and girls have to answer tonight was sent in by Mrs. M.T. Head of Vacuum, North Dakota. <laughs> it's a mathematical question about Romeo and Juliet. What are you raising your hand for, Sonny? I am Joe Cupperkay. I am six and a half years old. I, I should be nine years old. Well, why aren't you? I've been sick. <laughs> How nice. Now, here's the question, kiddies. <laughs> Juliet has a balcony. Romeo wants to climb up on it. How long a ladder would be needed if the balcony is 23 feet from the ground? Yes, Joe? I am Joe Cupricay. I'm six and a half years old. We know that, but what's the answer? Well, if the balcony is 49 feet wide and three and a half feet deep, and the house stands at a 63 degree angle facing north, and if 
Would you mind repeating the question, please? <laughs> Repeat the question? Who do you think you are? I am Joe Copperkay. I'm six and a half years old. I'll try once more. How long a ladder would Romeo have to use to climb up to Juliet's balcony if the balcony is 23 feet from the ground? I'll figure it out by trigonometry. If the balcony is the hypotenuse and I'm multiplying up by the square root of sum and a common denominator, long division, and take away five minutes, and then add four, and then the whole quiet. I got it. What's the answer? I don't know. You don't know? What do you know? I am Joe Copperkin. Exactly. And now to the next question sent us by Mr. Ben Rutchick of Spring Valley, New York. He wants to know if you kiddies really know the alphabet. I Shut up! <laughs> Did you raise your hand, dear? Yes. I am James the Horn. <laughs> I am Joe Copperkate. I'm three and a half years old. <laughs> three and a half? Yeah. I lied about my age. <laughs> Well, to be perfectly fair, I'll let you both recite the alphabet. Go ahead, darling. Thank you. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M. School is just a bore But if the joint is jumping Then it really might be something That we actually would adore So swing our sweet alphabet We won't play hooky no more A, B, C, D, E, F, G H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, A, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T U, V, W, X, Y, Z Harry James. Yes, teacher. Danny Kay. Yes, teacher. You better learn the alphabet. Learn it right, or I'll keep you in the classroom all night. ABC. Got the teacher rocking. ABC. Got the teacher jumping. ABC. Got the teacher jiving. ABC. Teacher is a square. <laughs> fever going down yet? Oh, Danny, you're carrying on about my cold is just silly. I feel fine, and nobody in the cast or audience caught anything. Now, Dr. Gillespie K., what have you got to say to that? Well, all I've got to say is... <laughs> Good night. performance by Danny Kay and Company will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. The Old Time Radio Hour will be back next Sunday at 4 o'clock. We hope you can join us here on Sid Valley Radio.